0: This week's podcast proudly brought to you by Kent Cartridge. See, I made the mistake of buying the cheapest shot shells I could find when I first started duck hunting, and I would literally I'd watch feathers fly off of birds as they gave me a middle finger and flew off unscathed. That's when I switched over to Kent, and I was bartending and waiting tables at the time in college, and money was tight. But Kent offered me a great product at a fair price, and I've never looked back. Of course, now we have. Uh, Fast Steel 2.0, they just released Fast Steel Plus for this upcoming season, and with Dove season on the horizon, we've got Steel Dove, and then Teal Steel for early Teal season. Whatever your shotgunning needs are for this fall, Kent has you covered. You can find all of their products at kentcartridge.com. This week's show brought to you by Ducks Unlimited, an organization that I've been plugged into for, gosh, over 15 years now. From the Alaskan wilderness to the Atlantic Flyway, across America's Great Plains, and down the Mississippi Delta, Ducks Unlimited has been leading the way in wetlands conservation since 1937. The DU family has ensured the protection of over 16 million acres of waterfowl habitat. Think about that. So, come join us. You too can carry on DU's conservation legacy. Visit ducks.org to find your local event and join our volunteer team, Ducks Unlimited, the world's leader in wetlands
1: conservation. I learned to answer my calls and open my mail I paid my taxes and I stayed out of jail You stay in the game when you're too broke to fail That's a fact Talking to the wallpaper, sleeping in the halls Bones get brittle so you better not fall You slow to a crawl and time gets to ball in the jack
0: Run you right off the track Save your breath. All right, a little James McMurtry, but don't leave, kicking things off for us on episode 691 of SCI's Lone Star Outdoor show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for being here today. It is a pleasure, a treat, an honor to be here talking, hunting, fishing, the great outdoors, and all that implies with you fine folks. So thanks for dropping by. Uh, We've got a very pressing issue, really an assault on the future of our way of life uh, that we're going to get into and uh, I'll tell you more about that momentarily but first I actually got to do a little hunting over the past uh, well it was last weekend we went down to my buddy's ranch outside of Kerrville uh, in the Texas Hill Country beautiful part of the state and uh, you know exotics are always in season so we were headed to the gun range to uh, to play with some you know it was a, a guys weekend and Y'all might be like, Why are you playing fantasy football? Well, this is year nineteen of this league, uh, Dynasty Keeper League, and it's my brothers, some of my oldest friends, including Eric, whose ranch we were at. Thanks, Eric, for uh hosting. But uh exotics, always in season. So one of my buddies and I were driving, we were in my truck headed to the gun range. <laughs> it's like eleven o'clock in the morning and already a hundred degrees. We get to this one pasture and just feeding under these oak trees. There's six axis deer. So, I re- I told Brett, I said reach in the back seat and grab Henry's 243. Uh, undoubtedly, I've fallen in love with Henry's 243. It's like it's his rifle, but it's essentially my my truck gun at this point. Uh just love that that thing. Uh so anyway, Brett pokes it out the window. He's never shot an axis deer and he smokes this doe. And there was a processor close. We didn't even you didn't even have to field dress it into the back of the truck it went. We drove 10 minutes to the processor, dropped it off. Boom, Brett's going to have a, a freezer full of delicious Axis meat. Roll call, though. Who all has shot something out of the truck before? Uh, and, you know, these are exotics, invasive. Not, I'm not saying that if it wouldn't have been a whitetail doe and it was in season that I would have frowned upon that. I, anyway, but uh, certainly with exotics or feral hogs or coyotes, in the truck out of the truck i could care less uh delicious venison on deck for brett Uh, thanks to eric for hosting us we um drank some cold beer he opened up a couple nice bottles of wine it's the kind of place where i don't really feel like i fit in you know it's like pinch yourself are are we really here uh (laughs) but yeah anyway uh so got to see brett shoot his first axis deer uh that was pretty exciting and he loved he loved Henry's 243 as well with the suppressor on it, with that uh, silencer central suppressor, the Banish 30. He's like, that felt like a pop gun. Yeah. Well, that's why Henry likes it so much, and I guess why uh, I do as well. Um, what are we doing today? Let me tell you. You know what to do. Pull up that stool a little closer to the old campfire. Pour yourself another cup of that black rifle coffee out of granddaddy's beat-up old Stanley Thermos because, well, I said off the top, but really – Our guest will be here for the duration, and that is Sean McClellan. He is the executive director of the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation. Um, They are essential as far as providing and implementing outdoor curriculum for our public school system. And, you know, if you've been paying attention over the last couple weeks, you probably are aware at this point that the Biden administration – recently said no more grant money for archery and hunter education related curriculum in the public school system so yeah uh an underhanded attack on the future of our way of life as far as that next generation goes Uh, but it's really a specific segment of our youth that will be negatively affected and uh Sean will be able to shed some more light on that. And we'll also talk about the foundation itself, uh, where they're at, how many states their curriculum can be found in. But what does this mean going forward? And does it affect the current school year that just started? Or when is it being implemented? All that kind of stuff, as uh, the Biden administration, once again, has done away with the ESA funding or grant money for archery and hunter education. Uh, It's Really a a bad deal. And I don't think they predicted the amount of backlash that this thing would have gotten them. But people are pissed, and they should be. Uh, So that's what we're going to do today. Looking forward to having Sean join us in just a second. Uh, Let's do a quick giveaway. How about the Stealth Cam Deceptor? Yeah, that is the latest model from Stealth Cam. And it's really got the best nighttime images. It's that no-glow option there on the Defender that... Results in just stunning nighttime photos and videos. Uh, I think it retails for like 140 bucks, but we're going to give one away today. So, to enter this week's drawing, which by the way, I always do the drawing on Thursdays, um, just email Axis, that's Axis, like Axis deer, to Lone Star Outdoors Show at gmail.com, and you are entered into this week's Stealth Cam Deceptor giveaway. Uh, Let's knock out a break. We'll come back and get this thing rolling with Sean McClellan of the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation right here on the Lone Star Outdoors Show. If you're looking for a new gun safe, you need to check out the Performance Firearm Storage Solutions from It. Unlike traditional safes, Securit products are designed to perform for you. They're lightweight, so you can discreetly store them in any room in the house, and the interior is completely customizable to fit your guns and gear. I would know; I've got four of them. Their fast-access storage system keeps my guns and optics organized so they never touch each other or get damaged, and I'm never more than an arm's length away from a firearm. The best part? They're always running great sales. Head over to secureitgunstorage.com backslash cable to see their latest promotion, and you can thank me later.
1: I've tracked blood in on the floor I put my fist through the wall. I've dragged trouble through the door.
0: One of my all-time favorites from the late, great Guy Clark. One of the best singer-songwriters country music has ever known. Maybe I can paint over that. The name of that one, I'm Cable Smith. Thanks for tuning in to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Uh, We've got our good friend Sean McClelland of Outdoors Tomorrow right here in studio with us. And we've got got a lot to get into concerning the Biden administration's latest assault on our hunting heritage, this time aimed at our youth. But before we do that, this segment proudly brought to you by Black Rifle Coffee. And uh, don't forget that whether you order your favorite coffee roast or their unapologetically patriotic swag, you'll save 20% with that promo code LONESTAR20 when you check out at blackriflecoffee.com. Okay, Um, well, let's get right into it, Sean. Thank you so much for being here, man. It's great to have you back in the studio.
1: And great to be here.
0: My pleasure, buddy. Um, It's probably been a couple years. So you've got uh, how
1: many kiddos? About a hundred and twenty thousand. <laughs>
0: okay, but they actually live with you.
1: <laughs> uh, two kiddos. Uh huh. Got got two kiddos, and uh, we love getting them outdoors. Yeah. And uh, just this weekend, uh, we uh, made a rapid trip up uh, to Massachusetts and took them uh, ocean striper fishing. Nice. For the first time. So you know, what we love to be out. We love to, from a family side, we love to be outside, and yeah. And uh, trying to expose the kids to as many outdoor experiences as possible, both in a professional life and in personal.
0: So do you have, like, ties to Massachusetts?
1: Zero. Just have a, a really close friend that actually lives down the, the street from us here right in Fort Worth that uh, uh, knows folks that have a boat uh-huh. uh, out of, uh, and this is going to sound bizarre here, but it, it, it's, it's uh, phonetically, it would be Gloucester, but uh-huh. it's Gloucester. Gloucester. Got a Boston accent for the for two days, and uh, it was a phenomenal experience. Gloucester,
0: but, I think. I, so Gloucester. I used to watch this show, Wicked Tuna, and they always talked about Gloucester, I think, on there.
1: We saw several of the Wicked Tuna boats right, really? right in the harbor. Oh, that's so cool. big experience for the kids.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. And how was the fishing?
1: It was great. I actually caught a couple flounder accidentally, and uh, each of the kids caught a huge striper, mm. over 30 inches, and the fight was incredible. Uh, lots of hooting and hollering, and, and they had a big time with it.
0: Striped bass, rockfish, stripers what we call them here. You know, you go up to Texoma and catch them, but not. I think the heyday for Texoma is has come and gone. You can still catch lots of numbers, right? But uh, the the big, big ones, it's not like it was 15, 20 years ago.
1: It, you know, it's tough. It's tough, too, and uh, the kids love to fish. Mm-hmm. And from a, an early childhood experience, we're trying to do as many things as we can to get them outdoors and try and instill a passion for it. So uh, making the the trip and seeing a different place and then catching them on the ocean side too was pretty interesting because they're coming in uh, this time of year they're coming into the harbor and they're so su- they're super strong from being in the ocean. so a little different experience catching them on in the salt than uh, catching them right here at home.
0: Yeah, but it is interesting though Texoma is one of five reservoirs in the United States where this. Saltwater species will actually reproduce in the wild in in freshwater uh, situations. So, just a little fun fact for you there. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've never done it in this in saltwater. They what are the um, what are the regulations like there as far as like is there a slot limit or how do they have to be a certain inch to you know to keep them.
1: Tell you it's a huge difference than, than catching them here locally. Uh-huh. So there's a tw- and on the uh, the Gloucester side, it is a uh, 28 to 31 inch slot limit. Oh wow! And you can keep one <laughs> fish. <laughs> so the the ones we caught were well over uh, well over 30. They weren't in the slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a big fight, but uh, it's pretty shocking uh, on how they've uh, how they've regulated the age class of fish year to year and state to state on the East Coast. Uh, From a conservation side, just depending on uh, what the studies are telling them in the numbers of fish that they're catching. So they're trying to save an age class Mm -hmm. from uh, uh, year to year, not catching as many small fish and then catching lots of oversized on the commercial side. So trying to save this slot limit and increase numbers over time.
0: So I'm looking around. I'm trying to find this book. Uh, I just had the author on this book called Four Fish. And he goes through basically for for North America's um, standpoint anyway the four most important fish species that we have, and striped bass is one of them. Uh, and he was telling me, and he's from he's actually from New York City, the Big Apple, and uh, they do a lot of striper fishing there. And was talking about how strict their their limits are, uh, but the importance of this this species, you know, it's it's been traditionally overfished, right, which is now why we have all of these um, these strict bag limits and, and slot limits, a three-inch slot limit, wow. Um, but yeah, the book is called Four Fish, I can't remember the author's name, but had him on very recently. Um, well, that's cool, very cool that you were able to take the kiddos up there and kind of have a, that's, a, I think, a unique experience for most Texans.
1: It was very unique, it was also interesting, uh, we, we drove past some folks Uh, They're fishing off the rocks right on the coast. That's a traditional way to fish there, but they're throwing, you know, 10 foot or longer, uh, surf rods. Uh with, with spinning reels, which for the, from the kid's perspective, they've, they've never seen it before. They've never seen this, you know, that type of fishing before, which is a super, super unique experience and one that we hope to carry on.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Uh, Paul Greenberg. That's the author. The book is, uh, yeah, four fish. And it's, uh, Striped bass, salmon, tuna, and cod. So, you know, the four that we would, that you're most likely to, it's going to end up on your plate, you know? Um, so, recommend the book. Great read. Uh, as far as what I want to talk about today, uh, before we do that, before we get into this this Biden deal, his latest assault on hunting and shooting sports, um, give us a little history about Outdoors tomorrow. Give us a refresher. When was it founded? What is the goal and the curriculum that you guys provide? Just a, an overview uh, of your organization.
1: So this is going to be really exciting. So just just since we've we've last spoken here and uh and did, did this podcast here just a couple years ago, so we were doing um uh, just in just in terms of the number of kids that we're introducing to outdoor education, and we are. We're an in-school outdoor education curriculum called Outdoor Adventures. Mm-hmm. And from the foundation side, which was founded in 1981, uh, this curriculum really took off uh, like 2012. And there's been a, a slow burn on, um, you know, at, at the very beginning, there were 50 schools involved. And they were just here locally in Dallas-Fort Worth.
0: Hmm.
1: So that it, there was a slow expansion to that. Then in 2017, uh, between the the board and growing staff, which was a one person staff right <laughs> 2017 uh, is now five with uh, five full-time and 16 uh, contract folks that are around the country. Hmm. Yeah, so it is rapidly expanding from that side. but on the growth end of things, um, that is our number one project. You know we do some wildlife conservation grants uh, that are all pass-throughs for the foundation. So if you have a particular interest in something that is conservation based and it is mission aligned, then you can actually fund through the foundation and we will support that project through you. Okay. So, which is pretty special on a one-off basis. Uh Uh, It's something that we love doing on the conservation end, but on outdoor adventures, you know, the, the goal early on, and this is, you know, like 2017, the goal was, how are we, how is it possible to have a 10,000 student introduction every year? It's trying to grow by 10,000 every year on uh, present day we're we're trying to figure out how to grow by 120,000 a year. Wow. Oh, yeah. So we have massively scaled this from a donor support side has been phenomenal. Uh, building out a brand new website which just launched an e-commerce system uh, which makes it and this is just here in the last few months which makes it so easy for the very complicated situation which is working with schools and education departments. Mm-hmm. We're trying to simplify that on the curriculum end for schools okay. and trying to simplify ways to get them the most important equipment that, that they need for the class, which is, um, everything from archery to fishing equipment, Dutch ovens for cooking, uh, camping equipment. So we're trying to simplify all of that. So
0: Dutch ovens are awesome for outdoor cooking. But so, uh, my dad has had this backpacking group from the church I grew up in for thirty plus years now.
1: Cooking the old way.
0: Yes, except for when. You, so when you turn twenty one, you're now a man, and you're invited to join the group, right? So I've been going twenty years, but the first year, and I was the first. I was the the oldest kid out of him and all of his friends. So I was the first one to be invited, and you're hiking seven miles into the wilderness in the mountains in With New Mexico. Cast iron. Well, only me, because I was the new guy. And they were like, here, <laughs> rookie, you get you get to carry the Dutch oven. It's I'm horrible. like, what? I'm like, "That my pack already weighed 40, 50 pounds. Now I've got to carry around this stupid, I don't know if it was 10 or 15 pound Dutch oven. But yeah. So then the next year, one of my buddies had turned 21. I was like, here you go. <laughs> Here's your Dutch oven. Enjoy uh, humping this thing up and down the mountain.
1: <clears throat> For those that have never been... Um, the
0: peach cobbler was was almost worth it, though.
1: Oh, it's hundred percent worth yeah. <laughs> it. It's one of the best things. Yeah. Uh, as an, as an aside to this, the uh, one of the best introductions, if even if someone has never been hunting in the West in the, on any of the western states and using like Wyoming, Idaho, Montana as examples, if they've never done it and you wanted a simple intro, one of the very best ways you could possibly do it, is just going on an overnight hiking trip mm-hmm. and starting small. But uh, I've met so many people where that passion for them that weren't hunters before, that what ignited that passion was just doing a, a simple overnight hiking adventure, going a few miles, setting up a tent, sleeping on the ground. And the number one thing that I hear from people that do that is that uh, it's the best sleep they've, they ever get. And they actually have, uh, uh, they start to fall asleep. It's like momentary anxiety from not hearing any car noise oh. or highway noise when they fall asleep because there's nothing but nature around you and quiet. Yeah. So yeah, highly, highly advised trying that.
0: When I first started going on those backpacking trips, I was really just a dove and waterfowler. Like I had no big game experience um, tw- this was 20 years ago. And then I they were all just fishing, my dad and his buddies. They were just fit, trout fishing up there and i was like well that's cool but what about all these grouse that i'm seeing and i you know i'm looking up grouse so the next year i'm taking a shotgun then i'm like you know 5 years later man we've sure i've seen a lot of elk in here and then you know i've for the last 10 or 12 years been archery elk hunting somewhere out west but like you said if i hadn't been going on those you know those backpacking trips i don't know if i would have gotten into those expanded my you know horizons as a as a hunter But yeah, totally agree. That's where it starts. (laughs) Yeah. Sean, let's knock out a quick break. We'll come back and really get into the implications of uh, what what the Biden administration has decided to do here uh, and how it will impact hunter recruitment and exposure to the outdoor lifestyle going forward. Uh, That segment of the show brought to you by Big and J Whitetail Attractants and Rustic Reminders Taxidermy. We'll be right back on the One Star Outdoor Show. Need a strong
1: woman, don't every little town need a river rolling somewhere through it. Don't every summer night. Some say a silenced gunshot is the baddest sound out there. At Silencer Central, we have another favorite. It's the sound of silence delivered to your front door. When you buy from Silencer Central, we handle your application set you up with a free NFA gun trust and deliver your silencer straight to you. With an average 90 day turnaround time when you use E-Forms, buying a silencer is simpler than ever. Visit silencercentral.com and we'll help you get started.
0: Steve Earle bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you as always. Thanks for dropping by. Uh, We're still visiting with Outdoors Tomorrow's Sean McClellan. Uh, Before we get back into that very important discussion, though, this segment brought to you by the Numa Renegade Pant. It's brand spanking new. It's lightweight, but still rugged. It's not going to get beat up, torn up. I'll be wearing it Elk Hunting mid September. It's the perfect early season pant. It's going to keep you uh, nice and cool, but also protected. You can find the Renegade pant and the Renegade hoodie, the top. That's also another one of my favorites. You can find them both at NumaOutdoors.com and use that promo code LoneStar20 at checkout. You'll save 20% off your entire Numa order. All right. uh, Well, let's get back into it here with Sean McClellan. How many states have implemented have schools that have implemented the uh, program and it is it is it a school by school thing or is it more of like a district by district that adopts it
1: it's all the above uh-huh. so we we try and do this it is it's more impactful and and, I, and i'm going to roll roll back here mm-hmm. just a little bit so the the ultimate goal is to introduce kids to outdoor education that is the goal from a wellness standpoint you know this is the program this is what does it From a a hunter ed perspective, from an introduction to the outdoors, uh, igniting a passion for uh, even things like teamwork. So having archery in schools, being able to start a fishing club at the school. This is their first introduction to it as a physical education, as a PE or as an elective. This is the program that does that. Mm. So if you have to take a PE in school, the, the, the schools, either school by school or the district, They will replace their existing PE program, which when I was in, you know, when I was in middle school, it was pretty boring. So they replaced that program with Outdoor Adventures. So the teacher receives a 360 lesson curriculum with a package of equipment and all the tools and professional development teacher training uh, that they need. They also get in contact with uh, the state wildlife agency to get Boater Ed certified and Hunter Ed oh, certified wow. as a trainer. So that's every single teacher in every state, but we're in, we're operating in 48 right now.
0: And so who are the two communist holdouts?
1: <laughs> the Delaware and Connecticut.
0: So Del- shocking where Biden's from, right? <laughs> it's,
1: it's strangely enough too. I figured so you're going to say <laughs> <Delaware>. <laughs> we're, we're, we're working on them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one aspect of that is, you know, it's, it is the furthest away from home base. Is, is one piece. And the other one is um, we're pretty specialized in what we do. So trying to find the right person locally is critical.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, is there situations where you have a lot of blowback from uh, maybe a school board or parents that are like, no, we don't want this taught in our schools?
1: So it's it's typically the opposite. Okay. And, you know, we're, we're over 70%. We just finished a giant survey, by the way, a full, full year-long survey around the country. So we're over 70% urban. Mm. So the, the, the number one takeaway there is these are kids that are on concrete 24-7.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Outside of, uh, by survey, you know, outside of um, the supermarket, they don't see vegetables grown. They've never seen a farm or a wild animal before, and they're just on devices 24-7. So that is their existence. Uh-huh. So just through this program, they're getting to see how conservation happens, what wild animals are, how they interact. Other than
0: what they've seen in a book.
1: Or uh, namely what they see on YouTube is sure. the number one, you know, number one watched piece right now for, for, uh, for kids is, is YouTube. Uh-huh. So if they're not seeing it on YouTube, chances are, uh, they don't have books by the way. the typical and the learning piece now with most schools is it's all digital. So Mm. they're either seeing it there or they're seeing it on YouTube at home.
0: Mm -hmm. That's sad. Um, first of all, but I mean, yeah, my kids watch, they watch YouTube with parental settings, you know, (laughs) (laughs) like we know what they're watching anyway. And a lot of times they're watching, especially my, my daughters that are, they're both eight. And the twins are all eaten up with, uh, they want to shoot their first deer this year, but they really like watching like wildlife educational stuff on YouTube. Um, but I had someone, so we'll, and we'll, we'll dive into the reason why I wanted you to come today here in a second. Um, but the responses when I posted that Biden had cut funding for archery and hunting related pro, uh, programs, one, more than one, some of the, the, I guess they were parents that responded to my Instagram posts were like, well, that should be parents educating their kids anyway. That shouldn't be in schools. I'm like, so you're a hunter, and you think that only, you, only the parents. And then I said, exactly, I'm glad you brought that up. I said, you understand that there are kids in urban settings who will never be exposed to this. And so how do, we, how do you instill a passion for the outdoors into someone that never experiences it? Like maybe in, in those urban settings, I mean, let's connect the dots. A lot of times there is no father figure in the household. So who's introducing these kids not that, not ladies, no no offense, you know, I know plenty of you like to hunt fish too, but generally speaking, it's a dad, uncle, or grandfather, you know, 90% of the time that is introducing these kids into, you know, outdoor activities. Well, I'm just like, and this guy can't even see that. Like, pretty, pretty narrow-minded take, I think.
1: Here's a scary reality. So on an urban setting, and you look at this as your, your largest population base in any, is every, major city in the country. You have a, a vast majority of single parent homes mm-hmm. and the single parent spends the majority of their time working. Right. One or two jobs. So they're the time spent per child, if it's a multi child home, is maybe a few minutes a day. And those few minutes a day are, are typically for uh, you know, this is for survival. They're for eating and others other activities. You're not spending quality time. And quality time is very limited. So you're you're, you have a high amount of, of device time. And the scary reality there is that when you survey those classrooms, the kids, when you ask them questions like, where do your vegetables come from? Where does your meat come from that you eat? The, the answer is where it actually originates, by the way. Mm-hmm. Supermarket. Right. So uh, even, even here locally, we have this uh, around the country, uh, teachers will actually do a little side project and will actually grow something in the classroom just so the kids can see that your tomato or your vegetable actually comes from a plant. It doesn't just magically appear in the supermarket. Uh-huh. So it's very it's very end-user oriented. And these kids are growing up. They're graduating from high school. And they have no idea what the wild places look like or why there are wild animals or why conservation even exists.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and even if they don't become because most of them probably aren't going to become hardcore hunters and conservationists. So even if they don't join our ranks in their adult lives, at least you have planted a seed of where they understand it. And so they're far less likely to become on the other side of the spectrum against us, anti hunters.
1: So here's a a super example. We had, um, we had a teacher here in, uh, just here locally in, in South Lake, Texas, that actually moved to, moved to Arizona here a year ago and is now teaching outdoor ventures in Arizona. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he, he introduced um, over a thousand kids to fishing as a first fi- catcher, first fish, and actually posted the pictures around the inside of the classroom uh, in their PE here, just here in South Lake. So the first introduction with all of those kids to fishing. They may never fish again, but I went and did catch one. I understand now the mm-hmm. actual activity and here just this weekend. And as, as a, um, as just a super example with, with our own kids, they invited a friend from down the street in, in Gloucester in Massachusetts this weekend. And the, the kid they invited had never been fishing before. And you're able to describe with, and the first question is why can you only keep one and what's a slot limit? Right. So if you've never been fishing before, you have no idea what this even means. So even if he doesn't go fishing again, the understanding there is, I understand what a slot limit is. I understand why you can keep one because we had a full description of how conservation for fishing works. So it's the, and it's the same conversation in hunting. So to your point, even if those kids don't ever go to the out, go fishing or go hunting, they've gone through hunter education they know how wildlife conservation works, and we even have a, uh, as sponsored by uh, Quail Coalition, mm-hmm. we now have a quail unit uh, that's integrated in the curriculum. So kids actually get some of the Quail Brigade's conservation information on. Oh, nice! Why we conserve wild quail and what's happening to the population. So very cool, very exciting. All right, Sean, let's take a quick break. We'll come back, and I want to
0: hone in on who this is going to affect the most. In a, in negatively anyway uh, because I think that there are kids that are at risk of, of never being introduced to this stuff. That segment of the show brought to you by the all new Switchback Carbon Tripod from Vortex. It packs light, adapts fast, and stands solid under both glass and gun. The Switchback delivers superior strength to weight ratio making it easy to switch from glassing to shooting in seconds. To save some cashola on the all new Switchback, use the code Lone Star 10 when you check out At Eurooptic.com. We'll be right back on the Lone Star Outdoor Show.
1: Never said too much about home or the bruises on his back. I asked him about him one time, but he never answered back. Yeah, William, you grew up hard me. lady, spitting at the nick of Jack's businessman with a needle and a spoon. Coyote chewing on a cigarette. Pack of young boys going howling at the moon. Head darn, and slipping on the black top. Head darn, and running through the trees, honey. Head darn, and leaving for the next Listen, Cable
0: Smith, welcoming everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show, presented by Mossberg Firearms. Thanks for being here. Uh, we've still got. Sean McClelland of the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation here with us in studio, and we will continue that discussion in just a second. The segment, though, and if this isn't just perfectly on point, I don't know what is, but uh, SCI has created a call to action to where all you have to do is is click on a link and you can help us voice our collective displeasure uh, about this Biden administration ruling. So I've posted the call to action link On my website and all over social media. Please, please, please take 30 seconds, 60 seconds. All you need to do is fill out your name and address. You're not going to get any spam from it, but you are going to help us make a difference because there is strength in numbers when it comes to uh, standing up for the future of our pastime and way of life. So, uh, yeah, just click on the link and thanks to SCI uh, for setting that up. Okay, uh, well, let's pick it back up with Sean McClelland, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. So let's talk about this, um, what it's called the actual actual name of the law, was the Safer Communities Act. It was passed in 2022. didn't affect anything until funding was coming around for, I guess, this, this school year. Um, it's a... It, and here's the thing that I saw that was interesting. It's labeled as this bipartisan bill. But all, that means one Republican could have voted for it. And at the time... The the left controlled the house. This was twenty twenty two, so like I'd love to see, and I don't I don't have it. I don't know how the vote went down, but I guarantee you, it wasn't very many Republicans that voted for it. Uh, maybe a few rhinos, but uh, it'd be interesting to see that. This was on the heels of the Uvalde massacre, that this was passed, and it calls for the uh, abolishment of funding for archery. Hunter education, shooting sports, under the guise of you can't introduce kids to or have you can't let them have or teach them how to use a dangerous weapon. This is my understanding of after reading up on it.
1: So a couple a couple things to note here. So um, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act. So we're going to refer to a, to really two things here. Um, so. We're going to refer, refer to that, the, the BSCA um, and ESA funds, is Every Student Succeed Act funds. Hmm. So the bipartisan, <laughs> it's a mouthful.
0: If your boot is hitting that mic stand, then just, you know, okay. The, there you go.
1: It so the safer a little bit. So the Safer Communities Act piece, so it, is, um, it was voted on to provide mental health. Right, so the, the Safer Communities Act. I
0: thought outdoor activities did that, didn't we just talk about that? <laughs> <laughs> when do you feel the the most at peace uh, when you're in the backcountry and you're looking up at the stars and you know maybe you believe in God, maybe you don't, but you know there's something out there and you know you don't get to see that in the urban jungle.
1: You do not. Mm. Um, ambient and light pollution make sure that you don't mm-hmm. see that. So the 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 two two parts of the background here. So one from the Com- the Safer Communities Act and uh, restricting ESA funds to schools. So uh, to get to the core of the issue, you know, who does this affect the most? So that's the, that would be one. And then how does it affect them? And how is it going to affect the end user, which is going to be students and schools? So ESA funds, Uh, primarily are for low-income students in schools. And if you can, um, so the headlines are very divisive, right? So uh, the restricting of funding and how that's going to affect them, if you take a step back from this and look at how is this going to affect low-income students the most, that is the really key question. And if you're going to, if you're really going to distill the issue they're not in a good position to begin with. Right. This is, and for, for, for those that are listening, if you imagine a school that uh, almost all of the students are going to be single family home and they're all on free lunch to begin with. So we look at this from a, a Hunter Ed perspective, which this immediately affects on the ESA funding side. And you can say, um, so if you can't teach Hunter Ed in school, it's, does, big question this does the safer community act uh, prohibit us from teaching it or is it restricting funding or is there no funding for it at all? And, uh, can we teach archery in school now, which is the national archery in schools program, uh, uh, which is over 1.4 million kids doing, doing (laughs) NASP archery. So we offer that standard in school and, uh, Just to throw a funny stat in there, it has the same uh, safety track record as um, school chess. Wow. Just to to show you there. See how dangerous this is. And I had no idea, as you know, I'm not an educator by trade. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm the executive director for the foundation. So. Um, I just, I love what we do and I love our program to the core. So the first school that I went into that teaches that NASP archery program was just right here uh, in Dallas. And I couldn't believe how safe it is. I really couldn't. It is, it is, uh, the kids cannot move from where they're standing without a whistle command. They have to face in a certain direction. They can't do a single action unless it is completely controlled. They can't walk anywhere. They can't cross a line unless it's all whistle controlled. So it is phenomenally safe. To that is, say that's the least.
0: safer than the gun range that I go shoot at for sure. <laughs> it
1: is you know the maybe the most dangerous part of that? Um, maybe if you trip and fall on the gym floor. So that's about the the most dangerous thing you can have there. But it is incredibly impactful from uh, a teamwork perspective, from a mental health perspective. You know, it is it's the number one piece that's that's getting attacked here. The actual funding to Hunter Ed. The scarier part about that that question, from a ESA funding side, uh, from a Biden restricting, you know, the Department of Education per Biden federal funding, restricting uh, that ESA funding to schools for Hunter Ed, the the bigger question there is, how much does it really affect it? Because how how much funding actually goes toward? hunter ed in school per physical education or elective programs. The answer is not very much is it's it's actually not a very, uh, cost intensive program because the kids ultimately are paying for the, um, their actual hunter ed themselves. So from an equipment standpoint, there really isn't much there. The scary part is that it's in the headline. The scary part is, is that they're talking about it on a national level that they're supporting blocking any funding to Hunter Ed in the first place, that's the really scary part. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from us. We're in the middle of this. We are the most affected group that is actually putting kids in Hunter Ed in schools. So
0: I need to ask you just so yes. we all understand, does the foundation benefit from these these grants? And or do you, is it all privately funded?
1: It's all privately funded. Okay. No, this this hurts the end user, which is the, the kids in the school. Okay. This is the uh, this is the most critical part. This has no effect on us from a from a funding standpoint. This doesn't affect us.
0: Schools actually, but it does affect you as far as what can we legally teach. What how is this going to be interpreted?
1: Oh my gosh, yeah. it's, it's, it is it uh, is it is incredibly impactful to us. With uh, you know, they're talking about you know when you wake up one day, mm-hmm. and this is this is a, take our staff for instance. We're growing at an astronomical rate. We're trying to figure out how to scale ten times our current size. You know, we're and we're on the track to do that. We have incredible support all over the country. Uh, teachers consistently come back and tell you uh, with these amazing stories how it it saves kids' lives, changes their lives uh, in ways that you just can't even imagine. Where they're coming from horrible backgrounds, or they live in the concrete jungle. You know, there is no. There is no way for them to get them out. Have you ever met
0: a little boy that came back from shooting a bow and arrow for the first time or a BB gun and was like, "Man, that really sucked. I didn't I didn't enjoy that." Cuz I remember the first time, my dad wasn't in hunting. He was a big fisherman. Is still a big fisherman. Yeah. We went on Indian Guides campouts. I don't think it's I don't think you can say Indian anymore. I think it's called like Guides. But back then it was Indian Guides. And uh we would go on these things and part of the fun was I got to shoot a BB gun and I got to shoot a bow and arrow. And I thought that was like the coolest thing. Like I've never met a kid that was like, Oh, I really hated shooting that bow and arrow.
1: You won't. The the smiles on
0: their faces. Like this kicks ass. When
1: can we do this again? It's one of the most fun things and you can get, um, you get pretty, pretty proficient at it quickly. Mm -hmm. And the next part of that is that, uh, why the, the, the uh, cutting off the funding piece is so critical and, and, and affecting uh, children's lives is easily the most critical part of this. But if, if you imagine if, if you're not playing a sport in a school, and this is middle school, high school, you're not playing a sport and you're not in band, you have to take P.E. It's so nationally required. So I go to P.E. and I'm taking this Outdoor Ventures class now. So I I don't have a natural connection to the school, I don't have another way to make friends, and I'm not going to be a part of any other group, any other yeah. team or any other group. But now I, as a part of the curriculum, I have to go through the archery program. They've already the first 20 hours they've taken huntered, which is very exciting. They have a boater education certificate after that. But then I join archery, and I've taken the fishing curriculum, and then you get the option to join the fishing club, join the archery club. And they're going to start that the very first year that they have outdoor ventures. So now I'm a part of a team. It doesn't matter if I can shoot well or not. I'm Mm -hmm. learning how to do a new skill. I have a new group of friends. Now I'm a part of a group. So statistically shown their success level is through the roof after they're a part of something in the school. So from a mental health perspective, uh, you know, cutting funding for those programs, this only hurts the end user and hurts the kids that, Certainly, from a low-income standpoint, need this program the most. And I want
0: to point this out too, because they said, you know, we don't. The whole thing is introducing kids to a deadly or dangerous weapon. That weapon. That's like the issue here. They're saying, why archery? How many uh, mass murderers do you use, are using a bow and arrow as their 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 weapon of choice? <laughs> so to me, it's like okay. It's very clear it's an attack on hunting, underhanded attack on hunting, because you've, you've singled out this thing that absolutely, unequivocally, does not affect mass murders. doesn't affect how many people are killed with a bow and arrow in the United States every year. I bet you a couple hunters fall on a broadhead and like sever their femoral artery and bleed out. Other than that, probably nobody else. So super dangerous...
1: The and the other really rough part about that is that that is one hundred percent true. I mean, there, there aren't any committed with. Certainly,
0: maybe one, maybe it, like some redneck somewhere certainly. really hates his ex-wife and shot her with a bow and arrow. I don't know, but
1: the more well, the more specific part of this is that it's a uh, that It's a Matthew Matthew's Genesis bow is a uh, is a twenty pound maximum draw. Mm. So and it is a a. a a very blunt field point that shot into a, uh, typically a morel target. Mm. So it's incredibly safe. And on the hunter education part of it, the really tragic point there is that a large portion of hunter ed programming is learning about wildlife conservation. That is right. a critical aspect of it. And from the firearm sa- safety standpoint, uh, it doesn't get any better than that particular program in schools.
0: Are they letting, or are there programs where kids are actually shooting guns in schools?
1: There are not. No. Okay.
0: So it's essentially it's all about archery. That's that's the most ridiculous thing. It is. I could get it. I mean, like, okay, we don't. That would be kind of dangerous. Maybe a BB gun or a pellet gun would be okay. But yeah, if you're letting kids shoot a firearm in public schools, like, obviously, I have no problem with that, and you probably don't either but I could see how the general public would be like, Hey, probably shouldn't do that. You know? Okay, fine. We'll concede. But archery, you gotta be kidding me. Like (laughs) we're, they're basically saying archery is as dangerous as giving these kids an AR 15 in public schools.
1: True. It should also be noted that as per hunter education and the archery side that, um, you are shooting bows and arrows in school per the archery program, mm-hmm. uh, per hunter ed. There are no firearms in school. There are no live firearms, uh, and it is a it is a strong wildlife conservation based program where you're learning the not only the history but uh, it is an it is an all safety backed program. Now the other part that uh, that is not getting attacked that you would think would be at the forefront of this is there are thousands of clay target teams. That are started out of high school clubs, that are started in the school where the kids can actually meet at the school, and they meet outside of school as well. But the actual activity only happens out of school as an after-school program as a club.
0: I bet you, if you looked at our U.S. shooting, shotgunning team, the one that competes in the Olympics, I bet you some of those kids started out in a school club. I, I mean, I've interviewed a couple, a couple of them that have. You know, they shot in high school. Got involved just like I'm a. I don't play sports. I'm not a band. I'm part of the, the the shooting, the shooting team.
1: I would be a good example of that. I got invited at 13 years old. Uh, kids were joining an after-school 4-H club. Mm-hmm. Like seven of my friends were, and their parents got together. Uh, we got invited to join, and had had never shot clay targets before, and went out and tried it for the first time with a 4-H coach that was overseeing it, we had a wonderful time and ended up igniting a passion for me that, uh, I went on and competed in the 2008 Beijing Olympic games uh-huh. after this, but I went to college on scholarship participating in that. It opened up. Some... I, I
0: might've known you were a good example <laughs> of that. I was teeing you up there. <laughs> it's <a> wonderful to you.
1: <laughs> it opened incredible doors for me. And if I hadn't been invited to go try it and there hadn't been some involved adults that were also learning how to, uh um, how to pull a club together and do this, it never would have happened for me. So just the fact that you know, that's on a small scale. There are clubs around the country that have over 100 kids per team participating. Mm-hmm. This is 100 new kids every year participating. And that, uh, that is significantly dwarfed by the size of the archery in schools program.
0: All right, we're going to take our last break here, Sean. We'll come back. I know there's a lawsuit that's been filed by uh, SCI and Sportsman's Alliance. We'll get into that, among other things, as we wrap up today's conversation. That segment was brought to you by Armasight and their entire night vision line, which right now uh, they are having a night vision only special, 10% off any night vision scope, uh, nods, or binos, as some of you might call them, monoculars, all of it, 10% off. Their entire night vision lineup uh, over at armosite.com. We'll be right back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Let me tell you about the ArmorSite 640 Contractor. It is the industry-leading thermal technology in a very user-friendly rifle scope. A 640 Armor Core 12 Micro made in the USA Thermal Core. It's got a four-hour onboard recording, four-hour runtime on a full charge, USB and Wi-Fi streaming, uh, eight user-selectable reticles and six color palettes, and the most user-friendly interface out there because you're operating these things in the dark. So uh, that's very important. You can find the contractor, the 640, or its little brother, the 320, right there at armorsight.com. Smith, welcome in, everybody back into SCI's Lone Star Outdoor show. That's the music of Alejandro Escovedo bringing us back here. Uh, we are still visiting with Sean McClellan of the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation, and we will wrap up that discussion in just a sec. This segment, though, brought to you by the Mossberg Patriot. They've got everything from a 22250 up to a 375 Ruger, including the caliber that's uh, all the rage right now, the 7PRC. I want to get one of those. Truly, I do. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, the uh, Patriot Series is American-built. It's rugged, and it's reliable. And you can find it at Mossberg.com. Okay, well, getting back into it here with Sean McClellan of Outdoors Tomorrow. Well, so, at the end of the day, I do know that SCI and Sportsman's Alliance have partnered up to sue the Biden administration over this situation. I don't know where legally that, you know, how that will play out. None of us do. Hopefully well for, you know, for us. Um, Is there another way for these schools to, I guess, recruit this funding that's being taken away? Or is it, I mean, and how is this going to, I mean, is this a, school just started for my kids. They went back this past week. How is this affecting the 2023-24 school year? I know there's like two parts to that question, but...
1: <clears throat> well, first, it's a problem. And uh, it's a problem from the standpoint that it has completely freaked out a lot of people. So if, if, you're, if you don't understand or you're not, in the, uh, you're not in the middle of the ESA funds and you're not a part of the grant program and you're not the one actually applying for those, when you read the headline, it just terrifies everyone, which is bad from the get-go. So mm. if, if I'm not an outdoors person, I don't know about archery, and I'm not familiar with Hunter ed no matter how impactful they are and the positive nature that it's going to have on kids that need it the most, it scares me to death seeing that, that it, the Department of Education is against it uh, from the start. So we want to adopt this, what is going to be a wonderful program for the school, but we're scared to death after we see this in the in the headlines and continue to see the The Department of Education is, you know, are are still standing behind this. As a positive there, you have, you you just mentioned two, but there are, uh, there's everyone from backcountry hunters and anglers to National Wild Turkey Federation. There's groups that have uh, many groups that have hundreds of thousands of members each that are blasting this out the last three weeks uh, to their membership regularly that we need to write letters to. Congressmen and senators and really get behind this. So
0: let me point out a lot of them have something on their website. Like I, I, I did it for SCI. It filled it out and I shared the link and I hope that all of our listeners did the same, but they make it super easy. Here's the link, go here, write your name, your, your address, and we will automatically, they've already composed the email for you. You just have to hit send and it goes to your elected official so that they can, uh, you know, understand that you're, just slightly opposed to this.
1: (laughs) I'm really proud of SCI on this. And we've been talking to them since day one. Uh, They're a major supporter of of outdoors tomorrow. So um, we are so happy that they're backing this and, you know, they, they have attorneys, they have lobbyists and they have folks that are actually in the middle of the issue. So this is one that from a conservation standpoint, you want them behind you on this. You want them uh, at the forefront of any of these attacks. And this does tell you that, uh, the other side is thinking about this. This is, uh, being in the national news, you know, almost every day for three weeks is not a good thing. Mm -hmm. So this shows you that, you know, there is support on the other side of the aisle for eliminating funding for key programs. And, uh, the ones that it's going to hurt the most are the next generation of of conservationist anglers, hunters, the folks that are actually going to be conserving the wildlife that we so dearly cherish.
0: Yeah. Well, so how does it affect the kids that were enrolled or benefiting from these ESA funds for this school year? I mean, are those programs just cut? Do the schools be like, sorry, we don't offer that anymore? Like what is the what is the 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 blueprint now going forward for these schools that are kind of just everything's in question?
1: So there are there are several schools that just day one when the headlines came out, you know, they they read the they read the first headline and read they they read the very first article that came out. I think this is three weeks ago. Yeah. And they said, we're locking up our archery equipment today. And until the situation uh, stabilizes and they find out exactly what's gonna happen, they don't want to have the, the the chance that ESA funds are going to get cut from them. So they're gonna just lock up archery equipment and put a hold on their Henrod program. That's a scary day. What a we had
0: to, what a terrible thing for those kids that were enjoying it last year and they're like, "Oh, by the way, that cool thing that you did for PE, we we no longer do that cuz of some, you know, bureaucrats in DC."
1: Maybe the other way. Maybe it's the only thing that I'm a part of at school that I enjoy. Every other aspect of school I don't enjoy, I'm not a part of anything else. So you just took away the one thing that I am interested in and we don't get to do that anymore because it's a bureaucratic issue.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's a travesty. It really is. Um, so moving forward, I guess we're going to just hope that the, the lawsuit has teeth. I don't, I don't know what else we can do.
1: So what we're hearing is that the situation is going to stabilize. In the favor of, of uh, archery and hunter-ed being uh, not cut from the east east side on the grant funding side, mm. but that that stabilization may not come for many months. But we do think, uh, just from the the hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that have come out from all the different conservation groups, uh, you know, you're getting the the silent majority activated very much activated. Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's a, there's a level. I'm proud of you guys
0: too. All everyone, man! from, you know, from the top organizations to, you know, just the listeners of this show, uh, social media folks, you know, influencers that are posting about it. I wish more would the ones that haven't, I think you probably need to look at them and be like, what's going on, dude. Like (laughs) you have this mega platform. Why are you not bringing up this very important topic that affects the future of, of, you know, our, our pastime, our way of life. There's some self-reflection that needs to go on from some people.
1: Everyone should be talking about it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So if it's getting talked about at the top and, and I, I do believe that this is going to stabilize in the right direction, but that may be, maybe several months before that happens. But mm-hmm. the really scary part is, is that it, the the headlines are there. People are talking about it and, if they're talking about it, it's going to be on people's minds for not this administration, but the next few to come. And if they're talking about it, that's not a good thing. If we're even considering making an amendment to the uh, to the Safer Communities Act, or we're going to try and weaponize it to attack Hunter Red and archery, it's not a good thing. And for everyone that loves um, anything about the outdoors and um, activating the next generation to take over all these amazing initiatives that different conservation groups are doing. Yeah, there's a reason that everyone is has jumped on the the bandwagon that this is a bad thing. Mm-hmm. They see what's coming next. If they
0: Well, this administration's made it oh. a, a, a habit of weaponizing uh, government entities, CIA, DOJ, <laughs> <laughs> Department of
1: Education, all of them. Hey, what can we weaponize next?
0: So, yeah.
1: It's not not good having this kind of effect on kids that, uh, that really need something in their life that's more beneficial than what they've been getting. In,
0: uh... What if it's just an escape for them? What I mean, you know, like you said, the one thing that they really look forward to, and that it might not be something they do for the rest of their life, but in, in this high school, in 2023, I really am not having fun. Life's hard, right? But I really enjoyed that one hour, I don't know if it's every three days or twice a week or whatever it is that I got to shoot that bow and hang out with kids that were kind of in the same situation as me.
1: We hear that all the time. And um, another one that was surveyed that was interesting was that, you know, kids said that uh, that exact thing, I think you mentioned this earlier, that they mentioned that uh, they went through Hunter Red, and they said our, our parents don't own firearms. They've never been introduced to the outdoors. We're never going to go hunting. But we did learn firearm safety. We did learn the wildlife conservation side Now we know why wildlife needs to be conserved. So you know that kid's going to be voting one day. Yeah. So if if they took this as a middle school or early high school, they're going to be voting one day and now they understand wildlife conservation. So those are going to be key issues going forward. If we're we're trying to save the wild places, you're trying to save the wildlife. These are going to be the kids that are going to be voting on those things. So you want them to be informed.
0: Isn't that the most ironic thing The the, the people that scream the loudest about loving wildlife are the ones that want to defund what keeps it around. And I never can write They can't see the forest for the trees. You and I see it. All of our listeners see it, but how do how can they not rationalize that in their mind? You can tell them till they're blue in the face, but then they're just going to still say, no, no hunting's bad. We have to stop hunting. Like, okay, well where's the magic money tree that's going to now pick up the slack that you kicked hunters out of the equation, but there's no money. You think the government's going to do it? They don't care. They want, they're they over here trying to cut archery.
1: <laughs> Which is pretty brutal. Yeah, Which is pretty brutal to look at it that way. And another reason why we we receive so much support from uh, all, so many of the conservation groups from Houston Safari Club, Dallas Safari Club, Safari Club International, and it's, it's so many of the groups that... Um, are at the forefront of these issues. I'll tell you another one that's uh, that has been hugely impactful here: um, the International Order of Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, Luke Hilgeman is their director, and just a super individual. But they're another one from the the lobbying effort and the the effort in DC to to battle this particular issue. Uh, these are the folks that you want at the forefront.
0: Hmm.
1: You know, from a uh, from the from a battleground aspect. Outdoors tomorrow is on the ground level. So we're working with kids in schools. We're, we're working with teachers every single day, year round. We don't want to be in Washington fighting the battle. We want to be trying to get this message to more kids and trying to do what we do best, even better. We're trying to scale on a massive level. Uh, so I'm super, super thankful that we have all the conservation groups that have folks that do do this for a living and are Phenomenal at being able to spread the message and hopefully help stabilize the situation in the favor of mm-hmm. more kids should be educated with hunter ed and archery.
0: I don't think they they couldn't have anticipated this much blowback. I don't think anyone does. Until you... Like, oh, we really stepped in it here. <laughs> Those hunters didn't... <sighs> yeah, maybe we made a little boo-boo. We didn't expect this kind of uh, negativity. Let's get back to following up the stairs of Air Force One. That's better. <laughs> it's a rough day. It's a rough day. Yeah. Somebody give that man an ice cream cone. <laughs> All right. Um, well, how can folks support you guys?
1: Please go to our website. Uh, it's gotf.com. gootf.com. G-O-O-T-F dot And the other one, too, If if you have kids in school or if you know administrators – uh, on a, it could be a school board or an individual school, uh, please go to our website and contact us. If you know anyone at the school or if you have kids in school, all we need is the communication with an administrator. They can get outdoor ventures in their school. It's a very simple process. And for those that can't afford it, especially on an urban level, uh, we actually go in and, and fundraise locally from either from conservation groups or other partners work with folks locally to raise the funds for the school to get the right equipment that they need to help kids have an amazing experience.
0: Right on. Well, I appreciate all you guys do. It's, uh, it's essential. It's necessary. And uh, we're going to keep fighting this thing. Um, until we get the resolution that is, is the appropriate one. It's just, it's not even a question. It's like, <laughs> that's the mind boggling thing about it is, Oh yeah. Well, let's let's attack archery. Okay. Kids come first. Yeah. So, all right. Well, thanks again, my friend. Thank you, sir. So there you have it. Uh, Everything you need to know as far as the latest on the Biden administration's attempt to remove funding for archery and hunter education programs uh, in public schools. Thank you to uh, Sean McClellan of the Outdoors Tomorrow Foundation for uh, joining us in studio today. It's great to reconnect with Sean. I'm a huge fan of uh, everything that that organization is doing. Why wouldn't you be putting archery and and hunter ed in the school system? It's a wonderful thing. Uh, Not according to this administration, though. (laughs) It just makes me once again shake my head and laugh at the uh, air quotes hunters that voted for for this man. Uh, Okay. Unfortunately, we are out of time. Oh, but that segment was brought to you by All Seasons Feeders and Blinds. Definitely want to give them uh, a shout out. Uh, the big chingone—that's the one we've got out at the uh, deer lease. Myself, Henry, Stella, Frankie, and Mom can fit in there comfortably. All five of us uh, can be a little loud, but we're comfortable. Plenty of room and uh, carpet to keep, you know, those sounds muffled from the herd of elephants that the Smith kids can resemble sometimes. But you can find the big chingone at allseasonsfeeders.com. Uh, thanks again to Sean. Thanks to all of our sponsors for making this show possible thanks to you the listener for being a part of sci's lone star outdoors show until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors
1: Whoa, let's get started who knows when we'll be parted no time to be downhearted on this night and let's play some good old music my heart sure